Good morning, everybody. Listen to my voice carefully. This is Larry Jacobs, and I'm just coming off of a bout of COVID. Okay, we're fine here, okay? And, but I wanted you to know that's why my voice sounds a little bit scratchy. So welcome to Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio today. And I'm going to let my guest, Howie, do a lot of talking today. All right, as I tend to run out of breath a little sooner than I can, but I'm completely cleared of it, just waiting for the uh, next five days after my five with Paxlovid. All right, so bear with me as I as I talk here. All right, because it's really crazy. Hey, welcome. It's good to be back, and that's why we didn't have any shows last week because I was sick. And and I gotta say, you do get the brain fog and everything else with it, but I, I'm fine now. So it's nice to have back. We're gonna reschedule all those shows from last week, which were all excellent, but we just couldn't do them. So what can I tell you? I'm looking forward to that you can keep checking the schedule over there just so you know everything we do is over at ace-ed.org that's the american consortium for equity and education i did mention i'm larry jacobs bear with me i do have brain fog a little bit still all right it's uh, actually fairly funny lord knows what i'm going to be wind up saying here today it's unbelievable all right everything we do is over at ace-ed.org and that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity and Education, and we invite you over there. Everything we do over there is free for you. I know my wife's listening in the other room. She has COVID today, and uh, she's probably giggling a little bit. All right, without further ado, let me bring on my guest. All right, Howie Knopf, Dr. Howie Knopf, my good buddy who's been here a hundred times, is the president of Project Achieve Education Solutions. It's projectachieve.info. They're based in Fort Myers, Florida, and today we're going to be talking about something really interesting. This is why I love how oh, how he's always interesting. Strategies for safe and productive classroom discussions on race, religion, and national world events. And I, I noticed as I was looking through this and planning it with Howie, we're going to talk about maybe designating one person to handle these, I think. It's all good stuff. And, you know, with the election, just yesterday was the Iowa caucuses to put this into uh, perspective. And another perspective, Howie's in Fort Myers, Florida, and we're getting three to six inches of snow here in Maine today. But it is, And the school's going to be over about noon. But it's really important to start talking about this and thinking how you're going to talk about it. It's fine. Kids want to say what they want to say. People have political views, et cetera. Okay? But we've got to handle it right. And that's why Howie's here. Howie, are you there? I am here. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, buddy. I pardon my voice today. I'm going to let you do a lot of the talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, just. Have you ever? Have you had this thinking COVID yet? I hope it doesn't. Yeah, no, I have not, and I think I'll avoid it. Uh, yeah, do it. it do it. That's what we not, did it too. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Well, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, and I don't mean to make a big deal of that. There were people always a lot sicker, but uh, you know, it just wasn't fun to be laid up with what was really a very, very heavy flu. Okay, and that's exactly what it felt like. And uh, the, the only good side is I lost eight pounds. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, so it serves some purpose at least. Howie, let's get into this because this is really good. Strategies for safe and productive classroom discussions. And by the way, Howie is the former president of the National Association of School Psychologists. So he knows what he's talking about. He consults the schools all over the country. We've got to talk about these things. And tell me why it's important and where you would go. How do you, how do you set this stuff up? Go ahead. 
All right. So let me give you a couple of contexts. Um, you just did one of them. I mean, we are in the midst of uh, another presidential election. Yep. It's going to be. It's going to. We know it's going to be controversial, and oh, we yeah. know that our students are going to come into school, and they're going to want to talk about it. And some of the younger ones, let's just say upper elementary are going to want to talk about it, and they're kind of confused, and they, they've got to get their grounding, and we have to assist with that. But certainly up in the middle in the high school level, even in a, a history and a civics context, these are important discussions. So that, there's the first context. Second context, yesterday was uh, Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. And there were celebrations all over the country, and some schools were closed, some were not. Mm -hmm. uh, there were special programs being done. And, and yet a significant thing here in the context of, you know, discussions in school about current events and important topics, nobody questions anymore talking about Martin Luther King and his legacy, talking about the civil rights movement. Good point. From a historical, from a, okay. So the second context is we are having, from a curricular perspective, we have discussions in the context of history and civics and politics, and they're controversial at times. And so how do we have effective ones? All right, now let me go another. Here's the last context. You do. Uh, and, 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 and this just happened the beginning of this month. All right, it's a new year. Happy New Year, 2024. All right, so up in um, just outside of New York City, um, there was a girls' basketball um, uh, contest between uh, the girls' basketball high school team from Roosevelt High School, which is uh, in Yonkers, yep. and the students from the LaFell School, which is a very small Jewish day school, kindergarten through 12th grade Jewish day school, just up the road from Yonkers. And during the, the game, and especially in the third period, some of the students on the basketball team, on the court from Roosevelt High School, this was reported by CNN, reported all over the country, they were firing off um, religious epithets Mm. Uh, basically anti-Semitic anti comments yeah. to the girls' team from a Jewish day school. Uh, the long story short is that um, they stopped the game. Uh, the team basically uh, from the Jewish day school walked off the court in the end of the third period, as they should. Uh, the head coach of the team and one of the students on the basketball team from Roosevelt were dismissed from the team. The acting superintendent and the mayor of Yonkers apologized publicly, and there are going to be ongoing reparations. Okay, so now we're extending these difficult, controversial, if you will, conversations, including religion, not that that's the first time, but this goes back to um, October 7th and the situation in Israel with the Palestinians and Hamas. That okay? is correct. And, Okay, and so we yeah. know, I mean, whether we're talking about Harvard, MIT, University of Penn, what's been happening at the university level in terms of anti-Semitism, but it is going into our schools, our K through 12 schools, and we can't sit and not talk about these things. And in fact, and this is the critical point, we've got to talk about these things early in a preventative way. 
we, we, we've got to help our kids to understand issues of diversity, whether that is geographic diversity, racial, multicultural, religious, gender identification. It is a reality in our schools. And if we don't, as the adults in the schools, prepare the right curriculum and prepare the teachers to have difficult conversations, then what's going to happen is we're going to end up with blow-ups that become controversial in and of themselves, but we're going to lose the teaching moment for our students. We, we sure are, and, 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 just, and if we don't control it, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And Howie, you go to districts all over the country, okay? What, what are you seeing and hearing about all this as you talk to people, for it, this, especially it runs this year? The ga- yeah, it, it runs the gamut. It, it, honestly, it runs the gamut from people who are educators, colleagues, who are putting their heads in the sand. Um, sometimes they're putting their heads in the sand because um, we've got state laws now, we've got school boards, we've got uh, parents, sometimes in the minority, who are saying these kind of discussions cannot occur or should not occur in school, all the way to schools that are saying, look, this is just another part of our curriculum. This is no different than whatever number of generations ago where we had controversy about talking about, you know, sex, sex education in schools right. Right. or drug education in schools. I mean, this is just the next iteration. And if we're going to prepare our kids, you look, Larry, and you know this, you look at any mission statement of a school district in, the country, in this country, and you're going to hear the words, I'm going to read, okay, that we yeah, have please. to ensure that our students become engaged and contributing members of a multi-ethnic, multicultural, pluralistic society. All right, that's directly from a mission statement, but that could be hundreds of thousands of mission statements in our schools across the country. If we're going to prepare our kids to be able to function, to be able to extend our multicultural society after graduation, We've got to have these discussions. We can't put our heads in the sand. We've got to prepare. We've got to make sure that they are curricularly intact, the discussions, and we've got to prepare our teachers. Well, how do you do that? And, you know, I I thought I read it on here, and I think I do somewhere, but, okay, uh, maybe one teacher needs to be the one to be the point person on all this, and one person, one teacher per school, et cetera to do the right thing the whole the whole time but how do you train teachers and and i want to say this teachers and i know a lot of them are trying to avoid these situations because they have curriculum to teach and your point is well taken this has to become part of the curriculum okay it has right but a math teacher if i may although you certainly want to keep classroom control should not be the one responsible for teaching this they should be themselves Okay, and just stand for what they can stand for and make sure that the kids know that. Okay, but the school has to somehow develop a curriculum that makes sense and teachers who can teach it. And my, you know, to, I, and, you know I love your point to make it part of, the, of their, their K-12 world today. How do you go about doing that? It sounds wonderful, and I agree with you. But how do you find those teachers? How do you find All right. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's that simple. Right, and you're right. good at this, Howie. You work with school districts directly. Go ahead. All right. Well, first of all, Larry, it, it shouldn't be one teacher. I mean, it should be a cadre of teachers, but it needs to be the right teachers. And everyone needs to be trained on this. All teachers need to be trained in how to hold, you know, you know, a conversation, a discussion, even a controversial discussion in their classroom. But there are certain teachers that are better at it than others. All right, so let's go real big picture, okay? And, and again, not that I'm not that I'm fantasizing here, right? But I I have I have always believed that school districts should have a health, mental health, diversity, and wellness curriculum a scope and sequence. I mean, you've got districts, they have a, a preschool through high school math curriculum, scope and sequence, literacy, history, and so on. I mean, I think we're at the point now with social emotional learning that that, that would point. be a critical thing to do, a health, mental health, diversity, and wellness. Because we've got to teach our kids, apropos to today's discussion, about being able to respect individual differences. All right, so in a curricular context, let me, real quick, okay, and, and honestly, I, I researched this. I mean, I got a sense of this right. stuff, but I wanted to be, I, I did research. I looked at um, two universities' centers for innovative teaching. I looked at um, articles in Education Week. I looked at John Hopkins University, Harvard, and so on. All right. So how do we prepare this from a curricular perspective, if you will, seven phases? We've got to, we've got to create, we've got to prepare the discussion units, okay? I mean, it, we've got to prepare so that we can anticipate the controversial nature of things. Second, we've got to choose the right teachers, but we've got to train the teachers. This is, you know, being able to deal with a conflictual conversation is not necessarily intuitive. There's skills, just like being an effective teacher. It's not always intuitive. You've got you've to train people in how to actually handle, in the heat of the moment, a difficult discussion. We've got to prepare the students. If we're going to have a challenging unit or a challenging discussion, we've got to prepare the students ahead of time. Right before we do the lesson, it's kind of the, the fourth phase, we've got to prepare the students with the advanced organizers of the lesson, maybe the day or a week before the lesson actually occurs, and remind them of the ground rules, remind them, give them some warm-up exercises and so on. All right, now we're in the lesson. Phase five, we've got to set the guidelines when we are now in the lesson that day, that moment. We've got within lesson strategies, all right? Mm -hmm. So what do we do to prevent things getting out of hand? What do we do when things are, we've got these early warning signs, when they're starting to get out of hand? And what yeah. do we do as a classroom teacher when things have just hit the wall? And then last phase is a post-lesson, you know, kind of strategies in terms of synthesizing and, and dealing with issues that are still hanging. And none of this is controversial, what I just went over. This is it just, is not. I don't want to say it's just common sense, but if we're going to have difficult discussions, we don't just walk in the classroom and do it and hope that it works out. 
you know, so we've got to prepare and make sure that there is curricular intensity, uh, integrity to the lesson, but also right. that the process part of the lesson is well in hand, that we've trained the kids, we've prepared the kids in how to follow the ground rules of effective discussion and debate. But how are we training teachers? to teach this. This is this is the, the key thing. Teachers are, are trained to teach their subjects or less so in elementary that's more holistic and all that, but I love the work they do. Okay. I don't think anywhere this is being trained. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. But we need to be able to teach the teachers and start working on this. And by the way, Howie, as you well know, this is coming down the pike now. And we've been talking about this since 2020. Okay, the last election, probably since 2016, Mr. Trump's first election. Okay, President Trump's first election. All right, so have we started really and truly to change the way we teach educators as they approach all these controversies? I mean, it is, it's controversial, and it runs through the whole school, the LaSalle-Roosevelt thing being a classic example. Okay, that wasn't social studies class. Okay, that was that was coming out on the basketball court. All right, right. So, right. where do we start to tr- to to really get the teachers ready? We're always talking about this, and we know it's coming down the pike soon. Okay, and it's going to be even worse in what? the fall. Okay, you right. know, when, when kids go back, and you know the elections for real. And uh, I'll just use Nikki Haley's quote. You know, President Trump loves chaos. He has like a comet tail of chaos. All right. He thrives on that. And his, his supporters do, too. His supporters, right. a lot of those, like 50 percent of the country or so. OK, those kids go to school. They listen to mom and dad over the dinner table. All right. So how right. do the schools prepare now? OK, for what, what, what they know is coming very, very soon. How do we do this? What's the word, Howie? I mean, your well, ideas are, I mean, are dead on. Who would argue that? Okay. Well, they're dead the, on. The good news but we is, we got to do something. Yeah, the good, yeah. Right. I mean, the good news is, honestly, I mean, from a content perspective, how how to do this? A lot of this is already done. It, it, it took me all of three minutes in a Google search to identify the best places in the country of the you know the the teacher training institutes that are teaching teachers and have been teaching teachers and other educators how to do, how to have these courageous conversations. So the content is there. The question is, are we going to embed it? And again, this doesn't have to be just this incredibly major extensive thing. Every school district could, you know, listen to this program. Um, this program is going to be followed. I'm going to have a, um, one of my blogs is going to focus yeah, on these right. issues. Right. Yeah. The next, my next blog, you know, in two weeks is going to focus. I'm going to, I've done the work for you, okay? But the content is there. It's just we've got to take 15, 20, 30 minutes of a faculty meeting sometimes, and this is just the, the place to start. And tell, talk with our teachers, our colleagues, have a discussion, but put the content of here are the parameters of an effective, controversial discussion in a classroom. These are the skills. Let me, let, let me give you an example, 
All right. Sure. So, you know, one of the things I already kind of alluded to in these kind of seven phases of, of preparation. Yeah. And I, I, again, prepare- I want to say something. I want to know what those skills are. What skills do we need to do this? Not every teacher all probably. Right, has. So, Go ahead, Allie. All right. So, so let's talk about one of the skills or one of the content areas yeah. is that when we're preparing for any discussion, but let's just say a controversial or a challenging discussion in the classroom, we've got to set up ground rules. All right, so let me give you, this is not rocket science. So here are <laughs> some of the, so here are some you of the You've got to remember the basics, rounds. Howie. Tell that to the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles yesterday. You've you know, got to remember the right, basics, yeah. Yeah. We don't have to make this difficult. All right, so here are some sample ground rules. And we're talking to the kids. And, again, we may, you know, talk differently at the high school level for the kids than the middle school than the elementary. Okay, but ground rules. Okay, we've got to listen respectfully to each other without interrupting. Okay, now elementary, sometimes what teachers do is they have a little flag. And so only the student who is holding the flag has the floor. And then Ooh. we're able to pass in the conversation the flag to the next student. All right, but we've got to listen respectfully and actively. All right, we've got to ask questions. The students need to ask questions. If they don't understand something, don't assume that they know what the other person is thinking. We have to allow everyone opportunities to speak. We want to critique but not criticize. Critique ideas but don't criticize individuals. Let's commit to creating a learning environment. This is not a debate, okay? Let's avoid blame, speculation, inflammatory language, and name calling, okay? Here's one more, okay? Um, Support your arguments with evidence. Okay, so there are 12 to 15 ground rules. And, and yeah, I mean, somebody can take these off of my blog or off of the Internet and adapt and adjust them. Okay, but here's the critical point, Larry. We've got to, at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of a con- controversial unit, we've got to talk to the kids about these ground rules, but the critical point is we've got to teach the kids the ground rules. We have to practice. We've got to give the kids simulations you know, different, you know, discussion activities that are not controversial, and we've got to teach and give the kids feedback, correction if needed, relative to their behavioral interactions in meeting the ground rules. See, too many times in school, we talk at kids. We tell them the expectations. We tell them the classroom management rules. We tell them the ground rules, but we don't teach and practice it so it becomes embedded in their behavioral repertoires. And so part of the teaching, answering your question, is we've got to set these ground rules, but we want to teach the kids the ground rules before we get to the controversial discussions. We may have to script the kids. Okay, let me give you some examples. So, you know, talking to the kids about, all right, so how do you disagree with somebody? Okay, because if you say to them, look, you have to disagree respectfully. Well, what does that mean? I don't know how a a student is going to interpret that, a senior in high school or, or an eighth grade. I don't know. So we have to give them phrases or talk about phrases and let them come up with phrases that they are comfortable with, examples of phrases. Okay, where a student doesn't understand what another student is saying. Literally scripting. So you're, you're teaching them to say something akin to this. I'm not sure I understand or agree with your point of view. 
Can you rephrase it? Or can you explain it to me in a different way? Another phrase, okay? I respectfully disagree with your position, and I'd like to share my point of view and why I have it. All right, one more sample. I believe that I've listened carefully to your point of view, but mm -hmm. I'd like to tell you about my different beliefs on this issue. Okay? So now we're going from talking globally, oh, we have to respectfully disagree. Now we're working with the students to come up with comfortable language that we're practicing ahead of the discussion that's controversial mm -hmm. in the heated moment so that the kids can, can respectfully disagree, so that they can say the words. And then the interesting point is it's like a bookend, Larry. When we train the kids and we have these discussions, then when a student actually uses it in the heat of the moment, the other student realizes, oh, not only are they disagreeing with me, but they're using their disagreement skills. And so it, it magnifies the impact because the person knows what's happening. The ground rules. If we're going to sit and we're going to have a ground rule and we're going to say, all right, look, there's not going to be any name calling. And then the teacher practices with the students in a simulation when one student name calls um, another student in the class. Okay. As soon as you make the teacher's behavior more predictable, then the kids understand and respond to it more fluidly. So part of the teaching is also that, again, when the teacher is trying to de-escalate a situation in the classroom, if the kids know what the de-escalation prompt is from the teacher, the kids are sitting there saying, all right, we've been through this. We know what's going to happen. We know, what the, we know what the incentives and the consequences are. If we don't pay attention to the teacher, then – now, again, the critical point in all of this, Larry – is that we're trying to have discussions, not only that are controversial, but some of these discussions are personal to the kids. That's and right. And we've got to make sure that not only everyone feels comfortable engaging in the conversation if they want, but we've got to right. make sure that kids are not being harmed by the conversation or feeling that the teachers are basically abdicating responsibility for protecting them. I mean, when we have issues of race, we have issues of religion, we have discussions about gender identification. You know, we know that some of the kids, you know, in terms of depression and mental health, we've got kids who are gay, lesbian, and so on, who feel like they don't have any support in the classroom. And then what happens is somebody says a comment that's really hurtful to them. And when the teacher doesn't say, look, that's inappropriate behavior, and here's what I need you to do to, to resolve this situation, having already said something inappropriate, if, if teachers don't back kids up, then the kids are sitting there saying, ah, nobody's got my back, I'm all alone, and so on and so forth. You know, Howard, let me ask you this, Howard, and you keep using the word, I, I found this interesting, teacher, the teacher needs to do this, the teacher needs to do that, and I agree with you, by the way, okay, the teacher needs to do this, but I was writing down as you were saying it, um, where does the administration, okay, and where does guidance, uh, school counseling, fit into all this? And again, Howie, you're, yeah. you're a school psychologist, you know all this stuff, and you're dealing with school districts through Project Achieve all over the country, okay, so... Where's the responsibility of administration, and where's the responsibility of guidance? 
it's all all hands on deck. Everyone is involved, whether it's directly or indirectly with the process. The administration sets the tone for the building from the very beginning of the school year throughout the year. They set the tone with the parents, okay? And, and that, that's another critical issue. You know, a point that you made earlier in the program, Larry, is that, you know, sometimes the kids are coming in and they're reflecting yeah. the parents. Of course. Well, one of the things one of the things that we have to do is yes, they do reflect the parents, but we've also got to impress upon the kids, and the administration helps with this to say, look, in this school, here are the ground rules, here are the expectations, here are the incentives and the consequences, and this setting, the school, may be different than your home, but you need to understand when in Vegas you need to attend to and respond yeah. as if you're in Vegas. Okay, so the administration sets that tone, okay? But, you know, a couple of points to answer your question. Sometimes you're gonna have a controversial discussion and it's not one teacher in the room. You know, from a preventative standpoint, sometimes with some conversations, you may have to have two teachers in the room, one who's taken the lead and the other who's processing, okay? But as you said, there may be some discussions where there's a classroom teacher and a counselor or a social worker or a school psychologist hmm. also in the room co-leading and co-facilitating. That's a great point. When, That's a great example, point. I wonder, I wonder how many people, you know, I talk to social studies teachers all the time, and I get different reactions to how to teach the controversial subjects like January 6th, uh, you know, right. whatever, whatever you want to talk about, okay? But not one of them. Okay, and I'm not sure they didn't do it, but not one of them has ever mentioned that they've brought someone else in that quote, right. if I mean, neutral person, an administrator, a guidance counselor to sit in there. That person says, well, wait a minute, Jimmy, you just overstepped. Okay, that's not the teacher, right. that's the guidance counselor speaking. I've never heard anybody say that before, and that is really an excellent strategy. And I think guidance counselors, as busy as they are, I might add, okay, would enjoy doing that, being part of that kind of discussion and, and having their, their say within it, I, uh, playing a real role in that. Have you ever seen that? Though? Yeah. Have you ever seen where somebody, no, where absolutely. somebody brought in? Yes. That's great. Yeah. Under yeah. what circumstances? If I may, if you remember, is, under what circumstance? Were they talking about a controversial subject? Brought in well, a, uh, for, for yes, example, I think it's great. okay, you know, dealing with bullying, okay? You know, and again, bullying, it's, it's not a one-off. It's not you have one conversation with the kids about teasing, taunting, bullying, harassment, hazing, and fighting. You know, it, it's got to be multiple discussions. And again, it's got to be a discussion and not the teacher or the lead person saying, look, kids, don't bully. Okay, there's got to be discussion. You've got to have groups. You've got to break the kids into small groups or large groups. Or, you know, you've got to, just like a, an academic class, you've got to vary the grouping patterns. But with bullying, it's always nice and critical, in fact. It's not just nice. It's, it's essential that it's a classroom teacher and a mental health person. And so that they're able to kind of work the crowd. One person takes the lead for some of the lesson, the other processes. The other person takes over after a certain point, the other process. But let me give you an example, all right? So when discussions, go, when discussions go bad, okay? So when you've got two people in a room, and, and again, if the counselors and the mental health folks are in the classrooms periodically anyways, 
if the administrators are in the classrooms anyways as, as educators, then when they show up for the, quote, controversial discussion, it's not as controversial for that person to be in the room. But, you know, if the counselor comes in just for the controversial, the kids don't know the counselor. They stereotype all oh, the counselors here. I wonder what that meant. Okay. And, yeah. and you get, you know, right. different behavior. All right. But if you've got two folks in a room, you've got, let's say, a classroom teacher and a, and a, and a counselor. If you've got one student, let's just say there's a student who just monopolizes the discussion. Okay. And you know, when you've got a kid or a couple of kids that are monopolizing the discussion, sometimes that puts the whole discussion at odds. And so what you can do is the lead teacher can continue to lead and the processing teacher or counselor can go mm -hmm. over to the student who is monopolizing and have a very quiet conversation with them. And again, doubling back to what we talked about already, if kids know that one of the ground rules is that we've got to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to talk. And if we, in the training of the kids, we talk about our kids, one of the ways, if one or two people are monopolizing the conversation, this is in the training with the kids. If one or two kids is monopolizing the conversation, what may have is one of the adults in the room may do a flyby by that person and remind them of the ground rules. You know, just like a 10-second flyby. Because sometimes kids monopolize, and it's, oh, and, yeah. and it's not that, they, oh, yeah. you know, sometimes it's, they're so excited about the topic. It's, it's for all the good reasons, but they're still monopolizing the conversation, and it's pulling the processing of the conversation down. So other people are now reticent. Other students are now reticent to, to engage in the conversation because they just know nobody's going to listen, and the monopolizers is going to come back anyway. So, again, having the two people in the room you're able to more easily have those kind of situations. If there's inappropriate language, okay, if there's racist, sexist language that occurs despite the ground rules, then sometimes what happens is, unfortunately, you hate for this to occur, but sometimes, you know, the same discipline expectations are there, whether we're talking about math or we're talking about a controversial discussion, and sometimes students have to be asked to take a time out, okay? Not that we're sending him to the office, but sometimes we may have to do that. But again, if he's got two people in the room, they can tag team that process, and we can still maintain the flow of the discussion while we're dealing with that one, or, that one student who just is not conforming, uh, whether it's consciously or not. I want to ask you something else here. We've got to leave in about five minutes, okay? Sure. But um, I just want to ask you this. And you were, were you at University of West Florida? Where were you for years? For somewhere down oh, there. I was at the University of South Florida. Yeah. South Florida, wrong direction. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, in Tampa. And, yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Beautiful Tampa. They won last night. Okay. And uh, that's the Bucks. All right. But – I won't get into that. We'll just move on to my, my Eagles. Didn't do too well. Okay. But, uh, but I wanted to ask you, okay, and I don't know if you're still in touch with all the people. I know that the people that I read in, in Arkansas where you used to live, I, my standard joke used to be everybody down there. But um, my question is, with all of this and the way schools are changing in these controversial topics, okay, have the way teachers been 
are being taught to go into classroom. You know, classroom management is half the battle. You're successful at that. You're going to be a pretty successful teacher. All right. And yeah, I mean, everybody kind of knows that. That's hardly brilliant on my part. But the point is, okay, things are changing out there. You know, it's very controversial out there, you know, and and a lot of crazy topics and all that sort of stuff. Where is the teacher training changed to, to meet these things, in your opinion, I might add? You got about three minutes, how he changed the world. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it's polarized, if you will. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, you know, yeah. when I well when I when I did the research for the program yeah. and for the blog, okay. I mean, you know, a number of university, University of Michigan Center for Innovation, Innovative Teaching and Learning, okay. Um, John Hopkins, again, University of Indiana. I mean, so some universities have, have, have really embraced this as important. You know, other universities, it's just it hasn't been on the playing field yet because of other priorities. Not that what they're doing is, is bad or inappropriate. It's just, you know, the priority setting. And, you know, and I think, you know, you've got to do embedded training. And, you know, I think when teachers are being taught, especially in the areas of, you know, um, history and social studies and civics and, you know, areas that could be controversial. Um, I think teachers in embedded instruction are being talked about how do you have a challenging discussion? How do you, you know, set up these ground rules and so on, even in, in literature, but it's not as conscious, but hopefully, our discussion, these discussions that we're having, will kind of cue in all of the teacher training programs to really say, all right, this is part of effective school and schooling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's classroom, classroom management, little c, little m. How do we manage a classroom, meaning how do we manage those interpersonal interactions of our students, those, those discussions, um, the respect of our students with each other? That's part of classroom management, and I think we've got to embed things, and we've got to learn from, if you will, near history. I mean, look at what we've gone through in the last decade and a half, okay? Well, just I the mean, last five years. Just the, look well, at the last, the last five, five years. years but, you know, yeah, since the pandemic and all the other stuff. Yeah. Of you know, course. You look at it, but you I got mean, the you, pandemic, you got what's going on in the Middle East, you got the politics, all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the plate, and schools are just reflective of society. So, uh, That's you right. know, it's just something we got to do. And, Howie, we got to go. I love having you on, but I, I'm, I'm running out of breath here. Uh, no offense, everybody. I mentioned that I COVID at the beginning. Yeah. Um, wonderful. We'll do more. Obviously, it's a great topic. And the Howie is over at projectachieve.info. His blogs are over there. We run a lot of information from him over at ace-ed.org as well. So please check it all out. Howie, you're the good man. Go have a, go have a swim in the ocean on me. It's three to six inches up here in Maine today. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. We've had floods and things like that. Oh, but you take care of yourself, Larry. Thanks, and buddy. I appreciate being on as always. Well, I appreciate it. You, you being here. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself, too. Thank you, Howie. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye. And we're going to archive this. And I love having Howie on. Thank you, Howie. Over at ace-ed.org. Just go over there, check it out. Click on podcast. You can see our magazine over there, all the stuff we do, the equity awards, etc. My name is Larry Jacobs. I'll be that much better tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening, and thank you, Howie, and everybody. Have a good day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.